When Pastor Hassan was imprisoned for his faith in Sudan, you might expect him to constantly be thinking about how to get out. But Pastor Hassan decided when he was free, he would go back to prison and tell people about Jesus. And that's what I decided when I, while I was in the prison, that when God uh, released me, I was involved in prison ministry because there is, there is a hunger in the prison for people that really, they want Christ. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and uh, we have an exciting privilege for you this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you've listened for a long period of time, you've heard the story of Peter Yasek, our VOM worker who was imprisoned in Sudan. Today we're going to hear a, a different side of that story. We have in the studio with us Pastor Hassan Tower. He was one of the Sudanese pastors imprisoned alongside of Peter. Pastor Hassan, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. It's really a privilege. I know after... South Sudan became an independent country. Sudan, or, or sometimes we call it Northern Sudan, the government made an effort to be more Islamic. They said, you know, we're going to have Sharia law. And they actually announced there's no more Christians in Sudan. As a Christian and as a pastor in Sudan, how did you respond to that? How did that make you feel when the government said there aren't any Christians left? It was really one of... Um the negative side that uh, when we hear this, then um, it can give uh, others uh, Islamic group in Sudan just to deal to to put the more pressure on the Christians. You can think of the all the offices that you you can go through. They can say no, we don't have the Christians here. Sometimes they can Christian like me when I went to the office different offices, and then they recognize that I'm a pastor. They can ask me, how you are Hassan, then you you are a Christian. Uh, because Hassan is a Muslim name. Yeah, it's a Muslim name. Even Abdurrahim is Muslim name, because it's my middle name. So uh, it was really negative for us. It was really giving us the negative sign for the Christians. It was really giving us the clue what uh, would happen to Sudan at that time. So, yeah, it was really something. And I know one of your jobs in the church during that time period was training the churches to respond to persecution. How do you do that? How do you train a Christian to be ready for persecution? Yeah, because you see, after um, the South Sudan get the independence, uh, most of the NGOs were kicked uh, from our Sudan. We had experienced the hard time Many of our uh, Christians, evangelists, pastors were arrested, were asked to report it daily until the midnight in the in the security office. So it really gives us a sign that persecution is on the way to us. So I'm involved in the ministry to help the persecuted brothers and sisters. So 
uh, one of the roles that I had, it was to prepare the church for the persecution if, if it comes. What I did, I used to bring the church leaders and uh, we had trained them about the persecution. If the persecution comes, what can we what can we do? What, can, what the churches can do? We have to look at the churches. They can say that you cannot uh, pray in the church. They can close our churches. So can we just uh, keep silent or just not to do anything? So we have to look for others' uh, choices. So. so was that training kind of the spiritual, biblical side of persecution? Or was it more kind of the legal, here's what the law says? Or was it kind of a little bit of both? It most of the biblically spiritual, mm-hmm. yeah. So getting the pastors ready to, to keep doing God's work regardless of what the government says. Yeah, and then to know that persecution is biblical and uh, they have to be ready for that if it happens. No one wants to be persecuted, but if it happened, we didn't have any choice. So you're preparing pastors to be persecuted and then you get arrested. Did you feel like you were prepared for that day when it came? While I was preparing the church and the process for the persecution to come, I was preparing myself. Uh I was training myself. And I didn't realize this unless when I was in the prison. So I said, oh, it seems that I was really preparing myself and then I was training myself for this time. And uh, I was really ready for, for it. How did you train yourself? How, how did you get ready? Yeah, I got ready because uh, while I was teaching the churches, while I was preparing the church, I was really preparing myself too. Uh, I was expecting to happen to me at any time because uh, we have experienced a lot of uh, pastors were persecuted, were put in the prison, put in the jail. So it could happen to me too. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Pastor Hassan Tower. He is a former prisoner for Christ in the nation of Sudan. Pastor Hassan, tell me about the day of your arrest. Did you know immediately this was very serious charges, or did you think, oh, you know, it's they're harassing me, they're questioning me, this is not that big a deal? I was not really uh, expected that it would be serious. I was just uh, thought that, Maybe after a couple of weeks or days, they can release me. That had happened before, right? You had been arrested, and then the next day they let you go home or whatever. Yeah, I was arrested in one of the towns in the east of Sudan, in the eastern Sudan. And then, uh, yeah, the, the following day, they just released us. So when you were arrested again, you just thought, oh, I'll be here for a little while, then I'll go home. Yeah, yeah, that's what I expected. At what point did you know, I'm not going home anytime soon, this is very serious? When it uh, took long, uh, one month, two months, and then uh, the prosecutor was uh, telling me that uh, we will go to the court. So I know that it will be really very serious. And you knew immediately that it was connected to Peter and what he had been doing in Sudan? Immediately, I didn't understand well, but after... They arrested me and then they took me to the prison. So I got to know that this is related to the Peter and it will be one of the serious yeah, case. And I know in those first few months, you didn't have a Bible. 
Your family was not allowed to come and visit you. How did you get through those really difficult first few months? It was really very difficult for me. You can imagine uh, you are not access to know what is going outside for your family. And then you didn't listen for, from them. You didn't hear about them. And uh, you don't know anything what happened to them. Really, it was one of the bad emotions that I, I really felt during my life. I have never been away for months or two months for my family. This is the first time for me to be away from my family for five months, nothing to hear about them or see them or something like that. So I was really deeply emotionally bad, really bad. Thinking of them, and uh, it was really something weird, but bad. It was good because uh, for me, it was the first time that uh, really I really prayed and come closer to the God and experience the presence of the Lord in different way. I have never experienced like that in my life. And I felt with uh, the, the presence of the Lord in my life and the Holy Spirit uh, upon me. And uh, I prayed and crying and singing and praising. This, this, this kind of, uh, of tears is not because of I'm here alone, but it's, it's, it's kind of the joy that I have in my life. So I just crying because I have the joy. That's what I felt. And I, I consider this as one of the best time in my life that even though it was hard, but in other point it was really good for me and it was the best for me. It's amazing for me to hear that. You know, on one hand, like you say, this was very hard. I was away from my family. I didn't have a Bible. On the other hand, God showed up in this amazing way and ministered to me. Did the other people around you see that joy? The other prisoners or the guards or the the officials, did they see that you were not being beaten down by this experience, but that you still had that joy of the Lord? Yeah, really. I used to think, I used, while the, the, in my cell, I was only the Christian. Others, most of them, they are Muslim. So they used to pray in Islamic way. Yeah. So I used to praise the Lord. And they were really respecting me highly of my behavior. So they respected me. Even the guards, they respected me highly. And even though I don't have the Bible, but I still have a lot of uh, verses that I memorize them. It's interesting to me that you, you had prepared yourself, and yet... There was more prep. I mean, it's like God did more after you got to prison than you could have ever done on your own. Yeah. Just the, the preparation that you had done was kind of foundation, but then God showed up and just multiplied it. Yeah, really. That's really true. What, what did it mean to be suffering with other brothers? You know, I think Paul writes about the fellowship of Christ's suffering, and you had Peter— there were four of you in jail together, on trial together. What did it mean that you were going through this experience with other Christians instead of having to go through it all by yourself? It was really encouraging for us, and uh, we used to encourage each other. We know that we are here because of sake of the Christ. We didn't uh, commit any crimes, 
but because of the secular Christ, we are here, and then we encourage ourselves. We, we can talk to each other and then encourage each other. Uh, Peter was really one of the amazing people that I met, and uh, even though we are Sudanese, but he was a stranger in that country, but he endured it more than us as Sudanese. So this really, it, it encourages us, it encourages us so much. When we look at the Peter, he had no person here to visit him. He, his family is in, in, in Republic, Czech Republic. But for, and, and we, we are in better situation than him, so we are encouraged by this, really. He was one of the, of the teachers, biblical teachers, really, when uh, we used to teach in the, in the chapel, in the prison chapel, and he, like, he, he likes to preach, he likes to teach. And then we learned a lot of, a lot of from him, yeah. I know when I interviewed Peter about his time in prison, one of the things I remember is that at one point, I guess, he was in a cell on one side of the hallway and you were in a cell on the other side and you would call Bible verses back and forth to each other uh, across the hall to encourage each other during that time. Yeah, it was really true. And we used to encourage each other and um, we used to help each other. When our family uh, broke food for us, we used to a gift, a gift to him, and when uh, he has something, he give to. When we are separated from the cell, but we still communicate. When we go out from our cells, I used to run to him, just to see how is he doing and all this. For those of you who are interested in hearing Peter's side of the story, if you come to our website vomradio.net backslash Peter. Uh, you can go right to the interviews we did with Peter Yasik about his time in prison in Sudan. We're talking today with Pastor Hassan Tower. He was uh, one of Peter's co-conspirators, if I can say that, uh, accused and put on trial right alongside Peter. Pastor Hassan, what, what was the low point of your time in prison? What was the most discouraging time that you went through? The discouraged time when we went to prison, it was the first prison that we went to when we were not able to see our families. It was sometimes give just discouraged. But others prison that we went to, we were really encouraged. After we have been visited by our families, we were encouraged. And then with the people who came to visit us, encouraging us, in the, who were standing with us in the, in the, in the, in the court, when I look at the people, and then I was really encouraged, and then they, they, they can look, they can see the smile on our faces, and they can see the love of God in our faces. So we really, we are encouraged by them. We are, we are not feel that uh, we are disencouraged, but we are encouraged by them. What did it mean when you finally got a Bible, when you, when you got a Bible and got to read it again. What did it mean after all those months? I got only the, the New Testament. So I, I, I finished the New Testament from Matthew to Revelations so many times. <laughs> and I was really hungry for the Bible. I read my Bible and others uh, prisoners in, in, in the cell. They used to ask me questions and then I used to explain to them. And uh, it was really amazing. <laughs> it was really amazing. And uh, it, got, it, it really do things in, in things that you can't expect it. Just to share the gospel with the people in the, in the prison, in the cell. We have allowed about uh, 37 people with us. Oh, and my. Then, wow. Were there particular verses as you read through the New Testament that, that took on a new meaning? Because, you know, so much of the New Testament was written 
to persecuted Christians or by Paul while he was in prison, did those verses kind of take on a new significance as you were in prison reading them? Yeah, most of the Paul's letters was really one of the encouraging to me when I read the the sort of the of the Peter when he was in the prison when God was released him. I read the when Paul was in the prison with the sailors and when God uh, released him and all these verses really give me uh, encouraging and that I and this one I, I use when I pray God. You are with the Peter, you was with the Paul, you was with uh, the three uh, young men in the prison, and then you you release them, you you rescue them. You can rescue me too. Amen. Yeah, and that's he why. did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. While you were in prison, God gave you a ministry. Uh, you've talked a little bit about sharing the gospel and and answering questions and reading the Bible. Talk a little bit about the ministry that you had in some of the prisons you were in. Yeah, this was in the Al Huda prison, one of the largest prison in Sudan is uh, contain about uh, 7,000 prisoners. So uh, we were in that prison and then they have big chapel. We have about uh, 300 prisoners who used to pray in that chapel. So we used to preach every Sunday and then other days we used to have the Bible study, we used to teach and preach and we have a small chapel for the people who are sentenced for the death penalty, who are waiting to be hung, who are busy in these two, two, two chapels, two churches in the prison. We divide ourselves. If Kua went to that uh, the death uh, chapel for the people who, ha- who are waiting for the hang, I would be here with Peter. Peter can speak and then I can translate for him. Uh-huh. Or Kua, he can translate for the Peter. You can preach today and tomorrow Peter can preach and, tom- uh, and Kua you can preach. So we are really busy with this, and uh, we pray. So ch- there were meetings in the chapel seven days a week? Is Was it every day? Yeah, every day, every day. We spend all our time in the chapel. Wow. Every day, with, every day. Reading, uh, reading the Bible for ourselves, and then teaching. And then uh, we, while we were in the prison, we used to learn the French with Peter. Uh, and then we used to teach uh, the prisoners English, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we were busy preaching the gospel and then teaching them. And it's one of the things that we did in the prison. How was your sense of joy? Because God gave you this amazing ministry in prison, but you had a ministry outside of prison too. You're a pastor, you're a church leader. How was the sense of satisfaction different, your pastoral ministry outside from your pastoral ministry in prison? It was really actually that uh, I understood that uh, God brought me here just to teach me this ministry in the prison. And then I understood that like that God wanted me to involve in prison ministry. And that's what I decided when I, while I was in the prison that when God uh, released me, I will involve in prison ministry because there is, there is a hunger in, in the prison for the people that they are really they want they want Christ they want someone to to lead them they want someone to to teach them and this is what we, we really did and this is one of the ministries that is really neglected in the churches most of the, most of the pastors they were busy with their churches preaching their churches all but 
very few of them are really thinking of the brothers and sisters in the prison. So for me, it was joy because God opened this door for me in the prison just to carry this ministry. And that, that is really one thing that I feel it when I was in the prison. One of the things that Peter talked about is when you guys went to your trial in Khartoum, Christians gathered outside the courthouse, hundreds of Christians gathered outside the courthouse and sang hymns. Tell me about that and tell me what that meant to you that these Christians would do that. It was really amazing. It was the first uh, court that we attended since when we transferred from from the security prison to to the civil prison, and we attended the first court. Many people didn't they didn't see us for a long, long, long time, and then uh, I did remember that uh, to go to the to the court inside you have to climb the, and then to go to the court. And they are outside the huge of uh, Christians. They were waiting there and then singing songs. And then when we, we finished the court, and then when we came out, uh, came just to go to, to the cell in the, in the court. And then people, when the people, when, when, the, when, the, when they saw us, and then we just waved our hands to them. And then they were screaming, then they were just shouting. And then it was really amazing. We just waving for them. It was really amazing, and uh, I, I really thank God for this. How these people were standing with us, were encouraging us, and uh, and it was reported by the by by the one of the newspapers. It was historical court. They have never experienced the big number of the Christians coming out just to standing with us. And um, they were singing songs, and was really songs that is uh, is really talk about the David and Goliath when he was really David David and Goliath, yeah, the Goliath, yeah, <laughs> Goliath, yeah. I do remember that uh, in the in the in the court, the prosecutor was uh, he fell down two times. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the newspaper reported that uh, even though the court was closed, but uh, we still hearing the songs come from outside into into the court. And it was really amazing. And it was uh, really showing that to the government that we Christians, we, we are here. Yeah. We, we are here as the Sudanese indigenous Christians. We are here. Even after the South got independence, we're still Christians here. And it was really a witness uh-huh. for the government. Well, the government had announced there are no more Christians in Sudan. Yes. And now here's hundreds of Christians gathered out around the courthouse singing. I mean, like you say, a very strong message to the government that, hey, there are still Christians in Sudan. Here we are. Yeah, yeah. And this was really very encouraging for us. And I thank God for this. God, you allow this just because to communicate this message to our government that we Christians, we are here. At the end of your trial, you were found guilty mm-hmm. and sentenced to 12 years in prison. What was happening in your heart and in your mind when the judge said, Pastor Hassan, 12 years in prison? I was normal, and I just smiled. <laughs> we, we smiled because, you know, this, this kind of thing is fake. 
it's fake charges against us. We have the peace that will be released, but how? I don't know. I'll have to step back in and interrupt that conversation because we're out of time for this week. If you missed any part of our conversation with Pastor Hassan, you can hear it at vomradio.net. You can also hear the story we alluded to today, the interview with Peter Yasek, who was also imprisoned in Sudan. Hear how God was with him even when his life was in danger as he shared a cell with ISIS fighters. They started to slap to my face. I was hit with their fist into my face uh, many times. I got hit with a wooden stick, either on my head, my shoulders, or uh, from uh, my fingers, or they uh, kicked me and uh, into my stomach with uh, this rod. Again, that web address, vomradio.net. Next week, we'll hear part two of my conversation with Pastor Hassan, and you'll see how God has used Pastor Hassan in some very bleak places. I hope you'll be back with us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.